Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, truly you are a magnificent God. We worship you, we praise you, we honor you, we lift up your name. We acknowledge you as the creator God who spoke the universe into existence. The earth is the Lord's. It belongs to you. It all belongs to you. And we are grateful, Father, that we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. Oh God, I pray that you would... Uh, Open up our hearts and our minds to the truth of your word. I pray, Father, that our hearts would incline to respond to you and to apply the truth of God's word in our lives. I pray, Father, that we might acknowledge and understand our place in the world, what we are to believe, who we are to be, and what we are to do. And so I pray this morning, Father, as we look to applying your word in the matter of the things you care about. I pray, Father, that our hearts truly would care. I pray that first and foremost, we would be changed by the living Christ. And in that change, oh God, I pray that our, heart, our hearts would care because we care about you, because we love you, because you matter to us. And the things that matter to you matter to us. And so, our Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. We ask now that you would bless your word to our hearts. For Jesus' sake, amen. And amen. So we have been on a journey over this last week or so, recognizing that God made a beautiful and great creation, and it was good. We recognize that the first man, the first woman sinned, brought sin to this great creation of God's, of what he had made. And then, of course, we are trying to understand in the course of time what has happened and of course we recognize that Christ himself has given himself as the sacrifice that we might have a relationship with God restored so the question that is to be asked this morning is so whatever happened to Eden the Garden of Eden and how are we supposed to relate to the creation in light of the fact that now it's a fallen creation well, when Jesus Christ came to live among us and died on a cross and rose again, everything changed. What we have learned is that because of Christ, the Garden of Eden has now moved into our hearts. We, the people of God, are now the Garden of Eden. The redeemed are now the Garden of God. I want to look at uh, some scripture with you this morning, and I want to... Uh, bring application to what we learned last week and understand the nature now of what God's people and what we are to, do, to believe and, and how we are to live in God's creation. The redeemed now being the garden of God. That's what, why the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to the Colossians in Colossians 1.27 and he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now the dwelling place of God has moved into the hearts of the redeemed, of those who are called by the name of Christ. Now believers have become sacred space because the way to the tree of life has been made for us through Christ Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Him. But those who come through Christ have now entered the way to the tree of life and are now the sacred space of God on the earth. Now believers are called to focus on serving and preserving the church of Christ 
and his temple, our bodies. We now, because Christ has moved into our lives, because the Holy Spirit indwells our lives, we are now called by the commission, the great commission, to fan out into all the world and take Eden everywhere, take the glory of God everywhere in the world. It's the same mandate in a different way. Now we are called, because we are the garden of God, we take it everywhere into the world. And that has great implications for us. Uh, The word of God says that we are the temple of the living God. In other words, the, the divine himself, the Lord God lives within us. And so we care for. So we actually are called to bring spiritual prosperity to the world of people. We are really gospel environmentalists or gospel gardeners now, whichever you prefer. We are called to protect people's hearts from brokenness and pollution, spiritual and physical. And so that has implications both physically and spiritually for us. Because we are the temple of the living God, because God indwells our bodies, it it is our responsibility to care for our bodies, to to eat well, to eat healthy, to, to care about those kinds of things, because we are caretakers of the uh, very dwelling place of God, that we might be uh, well and healthy to carry the message of the glory of God as mobile gardeners, if you will, mobile Edens to go throughout all the world. So it has implications about good health and, and exercise and, and diet and all of those kinds of things that, that really honor Our bodies, the temple of of the living Christ. Now, for most of us, when we think about church, we think about this place, 300 Roslyn Roadies. We think about this building. And, and of course, we all think it's important to care for this building and, and, and watch over it and all of that. Hey, this is just a building. This is just a meeting place. When we aren't here, this is not God's address. The address of the Spirit of God, the address of God is your heart. Wherever you are, you take God with you. God's address is where you are. And so you are the ones, we are the ones who proclaim the glory of God, the mandate of taking uh, Eden um, throughout all the world. We are caregivers of the sacred space and therefore spiritual ecologists spreading God's garden everywhere by caring for what Christ has died. It's no accident that when Jesus was uh, speaking in parables, that uh, uh, several of his parables uh, were referencing uh, people in God's garden, in the vineyard of God. Uh, Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 21, for instance. And um, since uh, the Lord owns our bodies and since we are the temple of the living God, uh, we, we have to ask the question, how should we be treating the Holy Spirit's address? And obviously the answer is with great care. I, I would submit to you that, that the idea of caring for the things that God has made is an act of worship, it's an act of connecting, and it's an act of reaching. And any of you have been following along with the, uh, the, the core values and, and uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the basic ministry model of Calvary Baptist Church is that, that we prioritize worship and connecting and reaching. And, and care is is demonstrated in all three of these. As worship, care is first sourced from care for God as priority, first priority of our heart. We care not because 
necessarily the things deserve to be cared for, although they do. But we care first because we care about God. That sets an entirely different uh, orientation for the people of God than the people of the world and the, how the secular people are caring for the things of creation. We're going to come back to that in a few moments. But for us, it's an act of worship. It's an act of worship because we love God and we care for God and we care about the things God cares about. We care because we care about God and the expansion of His glory. And that's first and primary and that's why it's worship. Secondly, care is about protecting and preserving the spiritual Eden each of us are. We are called to be gatekeepers of purity because of and through our connecting to Christ. Our own bodies are are to be fit for a Holy Spirit's base of operation. We are to take that message to everyone just like Adam and Eve were to have uh, taken care of the garden that God had made and they were to expand its influence and impact and it was to bless the world, the great blessing of life and to spread the glory of God uh, by caring for it and preserving it and working it and protecting it. Uh, the same way we are called upon uh, to be those who protect the garden of God, to protect our lives, to protect our, our, our hearts from pollution and brokenness and to care for it. As stewards of the temple, gatekeepers of purity. And we are each called to extend Eden by living the implications of God in and to our world. The care, care extends the reach of Eden in obedience to the original design. When we act in a caring matter, when we care for what God cares about, He cares about His creation, He cares about lost people, He cares about His church. When we care and when we spread that message and that reality throughout the world, we are reaching into our world according to the Great Commission to take and carry the glory of God to the uttermost parts of the world as gospel gardeners. As gospel environmentalists, the redeemed are now the garden of God. That's an awesome responsibility in reality. But I want to also share with you an an application with respect to creation itself. The the, uh, world um, uh, that God has created, uh, the animal kingdom, those kinds of things. Depending on how you have been orientated in your theology and uh, in evangelicalism in in some ways we have been uh, remiss really in caring for the creation of God because for the most of us we have been ingrained and taught that that we're really looking far ahead. We're, We're just pilgrims passing through, right? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up. Come on. You know it. Somewhere beyond the blue. Hey, careful. I might start breaking into song here, which you wouldn't want. And so we think, really, this world doesn't much matter because what really matters is like, we're just passing through here. We can just use it all up and abuse it, and it doesn't matter because it's all passing away, and we're going to have something later on. So we don't care much about the world. And I want to share with you today that that's not the way we should be looking at things. And I want to show you biblically why we should not be looking at things that way. Turn in your Bibles for a few moments with me to Romans chapter 8. 
I want you to notice something here that's really particularly important for us in understanding what God is planning to do. Now keep in mind, when Adam and Eve sinned, human beings became corruptible. And when human beings became corruptible, the creation itself became corrupt. So all of creation that you see is now functioning dysfunctionally because of the sin that is rampant in our world, because of the introduction of sin by the first human beings. Adam and Eve are the only two human beings who have ever seen the creation in its pristine reality. All the rest of us have seen a broken creation, a creation that is now corrupt because of sin. Now here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 19. The creation waits, and it's talking about the creation we now exist in. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice. The animals didn't choose to sin, man chose to sin. But by the will of the one who subjected it, in the hope that the creation, this creation, the one we live in, will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he has already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Now what is he saying here? Paul is telling us here that the creation itself, which is now frustrated by sin and not functioning the way it was intended to function. We have all kinds of, of uh, earth... Uh, it talks here about the groanings of earth, the birth pangs of earth. We have tornadoes, we have hurricanes, we have earthquakes, we have all kinds of things whereby the earth is calling out to humankind, groaning in the throes of the, of the fallenness of our broken world. We have disabilities, we have, we have pestilence, we have famines, we have all kinds of things as evidence of the brokenness of our world. But one day, the plan of God is to redeem not only us, but to redeem all of his creation. To return all of it to pristine. That's why when we read in Revelation chapter 21, it talks about a new heavens and a new earth. It talks about the old order of things uh, passing away. In other words, God taking away all of the sin that is in the brokenness of this world. And it says there, there'll be no more t tears. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more dying. Because the old order of things has passed away. 
And so all of creation that's been ruined by man's sin awaits in anticipation of the coming of the Lord when all will be changed and return to the pristine creation that God always intended. I can't wait till that time. We're going to be like new Adams and new Eves. We're going to be there with wide eyes recognizing the splendor of what God intended. That sin has broken and ruined. The entire created world has failed to attain the purpose, its purpose, because of human sin. And one day God will set it free from decay. The world is not evolving. The world is decaying. And only as man continues to follow the mandate that God has given us to subdue and rule over creation, to work the land, to protect the land, to protect the creation, to purify the creation, to to, uh, cause it to be productive. As God blesses us to enable us to overcome the brokenness of sinfulness, As man goes, so goes creation. It groans and decays and one day will give way to restoration glory. This creation. So, um, then what is our eco-theology based upon this? I want to share a couple of things uh, connecting scriptures to you with environmental concerns. Creation, as John Calvin wrote, is the theater of God's glory. The theater of God's glory. Well, he actually took it from the psalmist who said, The heavens declare the glory of God as the first apologetic evidence of the reality of God. Do we realize the significance of the creation? As the, as the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 1, the, the message of the validity of God, the reality of God, goes into the four corners of the earth as creation itself preaches day and night of the character and nature of God. So how important should creation be to us then if God is using it as the, the, the apologetic where the, the, where the preacher does not go? Now, I think I feel like you care for me, the preacher, feel cared enough for. Do you not think that it's important for us to care for God's creation as it proclaims the truth of God so that man is without excuse? Noah's Ark, to me, is a demonstration of God's care for biodiversity. God cared in the judgment of the world of taking the animals representative and put them in that ark. It mattered to God the creatures he made, all the creatures he made. There's there no throwaways. I know some of us are thinking, man, I would have thrown that one away. But that's because we've seen animals in their sinful state. What if the creatures... No longer we're living in a fallen, broken world, but in a world that only demonstrated all the time the glory of God in his fullness. 
So it should matter to us. The creatures should matter to us. We shouldn't be uh, down, far down the line and concerning ourselves about the extinction of species. It should matter to us because they all matter to God. Man's assignment was steward caregiver of God's handiwork in the best possible scenario. When everything was pristine and right, it was the first profession. Take care of my creation, God said. Jesus is the creator, holding all things together. We as his people, should we not represent best who Jesus Christ is? Creation matters to him. If Jesus wasn't holding it all together, it would blow apart. It should matter to us. The magnificence of the gospel, the whole gospel. When Jesus went to the cross and died and rose again, the time clock of creation's redemption started ticking. That's the gospel. Creation is the property of another, not ours to exploit. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We're stewards, caretakers, caregivers of his creation. The gospel is about a total redemption of the cosmos inaugurated by the Easter event. We need to also know in Matthew 10, 31, that people are worth more than many sparrows. What does that say to me? In the contest about value, let's make no mistakes, people win hands down. People and animals are not in some sort of equal plane. As much as we are to care for God's creation, and I, I, I mean, I've said nothing but care for God's creation this morning, but let's, let's understand where the value lies. The center of God's attention is the people of the world. And then my favorite one, eating the creation is what was supposed to happen. All right? First green plants and fruit and then animals. As a gift by God's permission. So let's understand something here. That veganism is no more honorable than burgerism. All right? I think that's critical for us to understand. For those of us Five Guys Burgers and Fries fans, we have biblical precedent to eat burgers. I'm so thankful. In fact, um, here's a news flash for you. Jesus ate lambs and ate fish. If it's good enough for Jesus... It's always good enough for us, isn't it? And I think if Jesus were here, he and I'd go for lunch to, you know it, Five Guys Burgers and Fries. <laughs> the great distinction, of course, with us, and the huge distinction is from an ownership perspective. Let's understand this. The difference between the secular ecologists and God's people and our call to care for the world is worlds apart in this. Our central focus is as stewards of our love for God and His creation. We don't fall in love with the creation itself. We are not worshipers of the earth itself. The earth is not our mother. God is our father, but the earth is not our mother. It's not mother earth. 
It's just earth. And we as stewards of this are acting in worship whereas the people who are secular are looking at it from an ownership perspective. This is the world we live in. This is all there is. This is what takes care of us. They, they believe they come from a different perspective. The earth is what takes care of them. The earth doesn't take care of us. God takes care of us. And we are called to take care of the earth. It's a huge difference. Now, in some cases, the secular world is leading well in environmental concern matters, but let's be, let's, let's be uh, truthful about this. There's lots of exaggeration out there that's going on. There's lots of politics, and there's lots of counter-religious uh, agendas. The Mother Earth idolatry of creation is a New Age religion. It's not our, our faith. It's nothing to do with our faith. The equal value of man and animals and animal rights extremists are not us. The sky is falling propaganda needs to be honestly examined. Okay, the volcano that took place in Chile, or is still probably pumping out stuff, it's push, putting out uh, more eco-unfriendly particles than, than the mufflers of cars in Toronto will for the next two decades. Let's understand the truth. On Earth Day, there's more carbon that goes out in the world by people lighting candles than if they left their lights shining. So I just turn out my lights and live in the dark. Don't light a candle on eco-friendly day. It just puts more carbon into the atmosphere. There's all kinds of exaggeration and manipulation of science to suit the agenda. We need to be well informed about this stuff. It's not all true. There's much, much money in eco-economics. A lot of money. And a lot of politics. And not much money invested in poverty or poverty relief. So let me segue then to just a final couple of thoughts this morning and then we'll be... Finished. God's garden is expanded by God's people for God's glory. When these things happen, taken from James chapter 5, 1 through 5, we no longer steal, this is from Ephesians, from people, but work for the purpose of having something left over for those in need. We stop hoarding and start helping those who try so hard but can't make it work. We stop deceiving people by the hypocrisy of having our heads in the game but our heart far from God. We stop acquiring more because of our addiction to our own comfort at the expense of expanding Eden. People are missing out on the message. If you wonder if you want me to take the code out of this, I'm talking about mission. I'm talking about missionaries. I'm talking about us continuing to buy more and more and more because we're addicted to more and more comfort and we're not spreading the message of the garden of God throughout all the world. We need to generously support Invest in taking the glory of God throughout the world. We no longer lack dedication to the productivity of Eden by deceiving people through the fine print who aren't getting what they paid for because of our bad workmanship. Christians should not cheat in business, nor should we be bad workmanship. We should be the most honest and we should be the most skilled at everything that we do. We should seek to be the best at everything we do so that people get what they're paying for. Or else don't call yourself a Christian. Please don't advertise yourself a Christian in God's world if you don't represent that. And finally, we, we, we'll, we'll 
expand God, God's garden be expanded by God's people for God's glory when we finally w- stop walking by the Lazarus on our way to our third house because we, what we do pays ten times more than what he gets paid even though he works very hard. There's a lot of inequity in our world. A lot of inequity. You and I will never care until we really care about God. And when we care about God, we will care about the things God cares about. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. Pure religion that God our Father accepts and is pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It is to be God's garden, gospel environmentalists who watch over our own lives and protect our own bodies to the glory of God, protect our own minds and our own hearts to the glory of God, and reach out with the message of the gospel, spreading Increasing the Garden of Eden, God's garden, and the glory of God throughout all the earth. We are called to be good gardeners of God's glory, which is the expansion of the Eden mandate from the original design of God. Our Father and our God, we, we pray that we might contemplate and think about these things and allow your, the Spirit of God to work over our hearts as we Consider course corrections in our life with respect to caring for our world, caring for people, caring for the poor, caring about uh, this temple, the body of Christ. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to be and think biblically about the things of the world, that our worldview on care would be to care for the things that you care about. And I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.